got in a lot of trouble, um, in and out of jail. Nobody could trust me. Uh, family hated seeing me come, because, you know, I was gonna steal, lie, cheat. Um, I went to prison, my last time in prison, in 2000. I uh, I decided that uh, I had to change my life. Something had to change. I had a behavior problem that I didn't know how to manage or control. And I hated myself. I could not stand the woman I seen in the mirror. Welcome to the Experience Jesus Calling podcast. Today, we speak with Janie Elkins, a graduate of The Next Door, a faith-based rehabilitation center in Nashville, Tennessee. Janie grew up in an abusive household, which pointed her down a rough road of addiction and substance abuse. Janie's search for real love in her life came up empty time and time again as she fell into toxic relationships and sought to numb her pain through drugs. Here's Janie to share her story. My name is Janie Elkins, and I graduated from The Next Door, February 27th, 2015. I was born in Kentucky, and when I was three, we moved um, to Southwest Virginia. My dad was a coal miner. I have four sisters. It was rough in my house for me and all my sisters. When I was probably 12, I think my first thing I started with was an eating disorder, and then um, what long after that, I started drinking and uh, smoking pot, and uh, was filling that void um, that I had. All the people that I hung with that got high, I thought they loved me, you know, and they didn't condemn me, and. Uh, make me feel like I was less than, because I felt like I was one of them, one of the cool kids. That went on all through high school, and went from drinking to smoking pot to uh, experimenting with other drugs. I got married while I was still in high school. Had a lot of bad relationships, a lot of bad ones. Um, I think when I was 21, 22, Got pregnant with my first son. I was still in addiction and it was getting worse. He was born in 1986. Uh, even after he was born, I was still getting high, still using. Then my youngest son was born in 1987. I had handsome boys too. Um, after they were born, um, I was still getting high. Couldn't leave the drugs alone had left my husband, my children's father, and moved out and took the kids. I was partying nonstop. My husband had the kids, and he was taking me to court to get a divorce and custody of the kids. And I did sign custody of them over. At that time, it was probably what was best because they would have had a rough life living with me. They really would have. I was in and out of their lives. I wasn't a constant. I was back using, getting high. I knew I was gonna be drug tested. 
And um, I thought I was so miserable. And I decided that uh, I was gonna take my own life. And I um, was driving around in a truck and I had a 38. And um, I really didn't have the nerve to pull the trigger. I thought I didn't wanna be alive anymore. I was gonna drive the truck off of a cliff. I just didn't know any other way out. I went to my probation office and um, I sat down in my truck, just sitting there. I had the gun laying on my lap and I just leaned up against the door, just staring up at the window at my probation officers. I sat out there probably for a good two hours before I ever decided to go in and ask for help and tell them what I was about to do and how I was feeling and that I was back using drugs. Um, she took me in front of the judge and he court ordered me to do a 30-day stint in a drug treatment center. They switched my probation to North Carolina. I went to North Carolina and I lived in a halfway house for four years. I was still getting in toxic relationships one after another, one after another. I was just wanting somebody to love me. But I really didn't know what love was. I had no clue. I've run my whole life. <laughs> Went on the run to uh, South Carolina. Was in another toxic relationship. Very abusive and uh, got me sent to the hospital. He was so abusive. And at this time, um, my dad was dying of uh, lung cancer. And that was heartbreaking. And, and then one of my sisters was, uh, she was, uh, had been in a car wreck and she had started shooting up pain pills. So I started hanging with her all the time. And I remember my poor daddy dying and me and her would be in the bathroom just shooting up. And I think that's like with, that's how we dealt with pain. That's how we dealt with life. It was like all we knew. It was the one thing that took the hurt away I made a lot of poor choices, a lot of poor choices. Still in and out of my boy's life. Uh, by this time, um, they were getting to be teenagers. And uh, they started experimenting with drugs also. My boys did. And then I found myself um, smoking pot and drinking with them. One of the worst decisions. I think that's, out of all the bad choices I've made, that was the worst. That was my worst one. About this time in 2005, my son um, was getting in trouble, drinking real heavy. My oldest son, he had broke into his dad's house and been arrested. And um, his dad told him that if um, he would join the army, he would drop the charges. So he joined the army. When he got back from Iraq, he started drinking really, really heavy and I was back on the needle. Um, full blown addiction, big time. Couldn't get myself out of that. Uh, hanging with the old people, places and things, you know, friends, associates. I did go to church. I did get saved, but um, Something still. I still had that hole. I still had that void. I still didn't know how to get off the drugs. Janie's world continued to spiral as she found herself incarcerated once again. 
She was about to experience the biggest devastation she had ever known, and it seemed the void in her life would never be filled. But God continued to draw Janie ever near to him, even in her darkest hour. July 4th. They, uh, they came and pulled me out of my jail cell. I said I needed to call home. That emergency. So I, uh, I called my son. And, uh, and he told me that my oldest son had uh, died of a heroin overdose. He was still in the army. He was a good kid, too. He was, he was a good boy. I remember there was nothing like that feeling of uh, having to be led back to that jail cell and they'll shut them doors. That was the most hurting feeling in the world. And I can remember begging God to bring him back to life and to take me instead. I never dreamed out of all this, all the stuff that I would done, that I would ever have to bury a child, ever. Well, that was it. Went back to jail. I uh, wouldn't read the Bible no more. I was still mad at God. You know, I wanted to blame him for everything that went wrong in my life. And I uh, couldn't figure out why he took my, took my baby from me. All the stuff I've done uh, to my boys, they never stopped loving their mama. My God, how could they love me? All the hurt I put them through, how could they love me? And I made my mind up that I had to get my life together, that I could not live like that anymore. Because if I had to get back out and continue using dope, and uh, being in one toxic relationship after another, that I would just as soon be dead. So the next day, they came and picked me up and arrested me for a parole violation, because this whole time I'm still on parole. And the charge was um, being in a home where guns were being held. And when I got to prison, they dropped that charge. They wouldn't let me out of prison. So they sent me straight here to Nashville, to the uh, TPW, Tennessee Prison for Women. While I was there at TPW, I was looking on the bookshelf and I found my very first Jesus Calling. This book right here that I hold my hand. Um, and the very first page right here, it's got the next door. But I didn't know what the next door was, but God did. I started going to AA meetings and NA meetings while I was in there. And I started reading my Jesus Calling every day. And I would look those Bible verses up and I would pray. Soon as I woke up, I'd pray all day. If, even if I woke up in the middle of the night, I would just be thanking God and praying. Thanking Him and praying. Thanking Him. Begging Him to please help me get my life straight. These ladies started talking about the next door, about they had a six-month program for women coming out of incarceration. And I wrote them a letter. They mailed me back an application, filled it out, 
was as honest as I could ever be in my entire life about everything about me. And that's one thing I've never been, was honest about me, my struggles, my eating disorder, the amount of dope I used, none of that. And I prayed over my little application and I mailed it. And uh, they accepted me in the next door. I got out of prison August the 20th of 2014. Something was different this time. Something was different. I knew that something, that there had to be a better way. But I still didn't know how to live life. I still had this hole in my heart. I still had anger. I still had hate. And uh, if I didn't get rid of all that, I was going to go back and get high. So the Lord led me to the next door. I took the bus from Memphis to next door. <laughs> it was just meant for me to be here, there's no doubt. I got off the bus, and uh, somebody from the next door was supposed to be there to get me. I was going up and asking strangers, are you from the next door? <laughs> from the next door and if I said no and they had just moved into this new building they'd only been here for three or four days my god had a plan I was scared uh it was getting dark it was getting a little starting to sprinkle and uh I was about to cry and I, I had a little talk with Jesus I said Lord I'll never forget my prayer I said uh you promised me you would never leave me nor forsake me I said, I trust you. I'm scared. I thought I was going to have to sleep under the bridge. Um, I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Um, I knew I had to get to the next door. I tried calling. It went to voicemail. But I had an envelope with their address on it. So I just had to, oh, I just knew I had to get in a cab right then. Because I still, even after I prayed, a little bit, like I was still walking around, but something. I mean, it was so overwhelming. It was crazy for me to get in a cab. And by the grace of God, I had $20 on me. Um, and I took a cab, and I showed him the address, and he took me to the old next door. And it looked real dead, no lights on. I said, well, everybody's in bed. But there was a lady at the dumpster throwing trash in the dumpster. And uh, the cab driver talked to her, and this lady's name was uh, Linda Leathers. She had just got out of church. She had only went to the old building to take some trash out, put it in the dumpster. And uh, he asked her if it was the next door, and she said yes. Well, <laughs> I went like this. I <laughs> know she had to thought I was crazy, because. As soon as she said yes, my hands flew up. And I was going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because my prayer was answered. I was at the next door. She said, but they moved. She had her car full of stuff, you know, from the move. And so she called her mama. And uh, her mama came and got me. They went to Sonic's. I got my first burger. Um, and they fed me. And when I walked in these doors to a brand new building for 
the first time in my life I felt, it's like love. I was, in, it was just something in the air. The staff, the clients, I'd never been around anybody that was nice, that genuinely acted like they was glad to see me and like I mattered. And I never in my entire life felt like I mattered. They loved me and they taught me how to love myself. I'm off parole. I completed parole last year in uh, November. I made it and I didn't get arrested and I didn't run. They believed in me when I didn't believe in me. They encouraged me. As Janie's world began to shift from a cycle of pain and substance abuse, she began to see her true value in God's eyes, and she found a love that would never fail her. The next door was the conduit for change that Janie needed, but God had been working on her heart for years. Once again, here's Janie. Every July 4th, when it comes around, my son's been dead for six years now, I don't have to get drunk, I don't have to get high. I may hurt, I may cry, but I'm surrounded by good people and I don't have to get high and I can live my life to the best of my ability for the both of us. That's what I learned in my grief counseling. I can either let the grief of his death take me down in that black hole or I can learn to live with it and deal with it and do the, the best I can. I used to be so hard on myself. And uh, I've always felt like when I would read Jesus Calling, how did they know on this day, you know, that this was going to apply in my life or that I was going to need to hear this passage right here? It's uh, November 1st. Um, Do not be discouraged by the difficulty of keeping your focus on me. I know that your heart's desire is to be aware of my presence continually. This is a lofty goal. You aim toward it, but never fully achieve it in this life. Don't let feelings of failure weigh you down. Instead, try to see yourself as I see you. First of all, I'm delighted by your deep desire to walk closely with me through your life. I'm pleased each time you initiate communication with me. In addition, I notice the progress you have made since you first resolved to live in my presence. When you realize that your mind has wandered away from me, don't be alarmed or surprised. You live in a world that has been rigged to distract you. Each time You plow your way through the massive distractions to communicate with me, you achieve victory. Rejoice in these tiny triumphs and they will increasingly light up your days. I'm bound and determined to uh, be that person God created me to be. Join us next time on the Experience Jesus Calling podcast when we visit with country music legend Reba McIntyre. We'll hear how her faith sustained her through difficult times and how Jesus Calling is a daily source of encouragement and inspiration in her life. 
Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.